This is all a practice. You do not get better at messaging overnight, but putting these things on your radar can certainly help you to move in the right direction. This is not your average business podcast because here we are going to discuss how you hit your goals without losing yourself, your values, or your relationships along the way. We believe in the whole person versus the long-term hustle approach and demonstrating to our children what living a life full of purpose is truly about. We're here for the woman who is an aspiring entrepreneur, developing her personal brand, and staying open to the opportunities that come before her. We're here for the woman yearning to find businesses that align with her, her core being, so she can feel in alignment with her life. Come on this journey with us as we navigate this very full season and pursue a life we love. Are you feeling stuck? Are you searching for a greater purpose? Are you craving connection? Perfect. You are in the right place and we're excited to get you one step further than you are today. Today, we're going to dive into messaging. And this is one area that we've seen people struggle with, especially when they're beginners. So we want to help you guys to be able to get more clear. There are times that we have to adjust our own messaging as any good marketer should. We thought in this episode, we could give you a really good starting point. We're going to call out some of the mistakes that we see that people make and also the fixes for them. My hope is that by the end of the episode, you'll be able to look at your own messaging and find places to improve it. Amy, you said something there that really stood out to me too. And that is the fact that we are all marketers. If you have an online business and you might be a masterful sleep consultant or pelvic floor PT or whatever it is that you teach, at the end of the day, you are still a marketer. And so you always need to put that hat on because that is how you're going to be able to run your business to create all the transformations in the world that you are trying to do. That was a great addition because in Expecting and Empowered, sometimes we talk about how we get so excited about development, like our app development, and then we forget to market it. So like we're always developing these amazing things. We're putting our customers first, but sometimes our messaging doesn't keep up or catch up and we don't give the messaging and the marketing enough attention in our business. So that is one thing that we're working on. I wanted to start off by saying the one thing that kills me is when I am cheering so hard for a business or for a friend that's launching a podcast and the messaging is off. They're saying a lot of things, but it is just not said in a way that is clear. So I'll give you an example. I go to the podcast. I'm so excited about it, but I can't tell what the goal is. I can't tell what transformation they want me to go on. It just feels like they're trying to please everyone. And in the meanwhile, I don't know why I'm there. And so because I'm busy, I'm not going to keep coming back. And so that's where you have to think about, is your messaging clear? And who are you actually trying to talk to? And I know Kat's going to expand on this. Yeah. And that's so important too, Amy, because you are someone and many people out there are big cheerleaders and supporters of other women who are launching their thing and are like, oh, this could be amazing for my audience. But then you're like, I don't feel comfortable sharing this because mm-hmm. I don't know what the messaging is. And if I send my people there, I want them to have this really clear you know, opportunity, whatever that is that 
the reason I'm sharing it with my audience for a specific reason. And if I can't pick that out, even though I love the person who launched this and I want to support them, it's like, I'm not going to share that with my audience because it just wouldn't make sense. And I know that you guys are probably thinking that I'm a broken record here because I revisit this topic a lot, but it's so true. And that is at times when people are trying to be for everyone, that they are truly for no one. And I know, especially when you're a beginner, it can be really scary to niche down, but it really helps people know who you are actually trying to serve. So let's use my first podcast as an example, TTC Society, which stands for Trying to Conceive. And we were very comfortable that people that we're trying to conceive is who we are for. And specifically, we were mainly talking to people who identify as a woman. And when we are writing, recording, planning episodes, writing our social media posts, that is who we are talking to. Whether you are naturally trying to conceive and having difficulties, you are going through fertility treatments, we cover the gamut, but it was someone who is in the midst of that very specific journey, the emotions of that, the pain of that, and the opportunity on the other side of that. Now, what happened was that people outside of those trying to conceive did listen in, of course. I remember Amy actually reaching out to me after we had launched, listening to a few episodes because as a creator in the space of motherhood, she wanted to hear the experience of those trying to conceive because that just wasn't a journey or a struggle that she had in her own life. So to better understand, you know, some of her friends that were going through it to how to show up for them or even her community that she supports at herself. So this is your reminder that you do want to know who you are talking to. Your messaging should not sound like you are talking to the whole world or that you are talking to this really big crowd. Your messaging is going to make your follower or customer feel like you are talking directly to them. So when you are talking about their pain points or sharing stories, you want to hone in and act like and use language like you are talking to that one person, not like, hello, Los Angeles. And like you're talking (laughs) to everyone. You really want to hone in on that one person. And I like that example specifically because Amy, as someone coming on to listen, you weren't on that journey. However, you were able to gather information for friends who were on there. So Kat, you weren't going to have every other episode be, oh, this is for the friend of a friend who's on this infertility journey. You were speaking to the person who you wanted to speak to. So just making sure to not mix that messaging too much. Sure, you could have an episode here or there, but the person you're speaking to is going to be your customer. And that person, just think about her, him, them, every time that you're writing something, posting something, saying something, because it's going to mean that you're actually talking to them on a deeper level and you'll gain so much more trust than when you're talking to the whole crew. Another place that we see messaging go wrong is when you're asking too many things to your customer that they don't even know what they're supposed to do. We were observing one person's launch recently and all three of us, I mean, we were so confused about this. There was a webinar and then there was a workshop on a totally different topic. And then there was another webinar and then there was three extra episodes on top of a bonus. And then there were secret episodes. There was a podcast. I mean, there was, it was so confusing. We didn't know what we should be listening to, which part was important. And even going through a few of them like, wait, hold on. Is she trying to sell more? Are we trying to listen to a podcast? We didn't know what the end transformation or that end offer was supposed to be. It felt like way too much. It felt confusing. And there was too many asks on us as a consumer. As a business owner, that's one of the worst places that you can be. Having a confused customer means that they just don't know what to do. 
they're in a place of inaction because a lot of times confused customers, they're just not going to be able to take any type of step forward. At best, this confused customer will reach out with their questions and at worst, they're going to find a totally different resource that has more clear messaging. We've even seen this not clear messaging or having too many asks all at once on things just as simple as an Instagram story. So if you're talking about an offer and you're going to details and you're so excited about it and you put all your links on your talking head, we have found that that actually has less clicks. It has less buys than if you give a very clear, separate, well-designed, all on its own story slide and have a very clear call to action there. That makes more sales. And I was going to say, I feel like an overarching theme for some women business owners is they're always thinking more is more is more is more. And I actually find the opposite. Obviously, I'm just one consumer, but I think a lot of you will resonate. For example, I love following fashion influencers. Like I love to get outfit ideas. I'm not always buying the things, but I like to see how they're styling. What do I already own? That's like that. But the ones that link 30 things in one story to me as the consumer, I'm like, this is far too much. I'd rather you hone in on a few pieces that you can so strongly recommend so that your consumer has a better opportunity to shop from those. That's just one example. Like I see this plenty as Abby was talking about, we were trying to learn from this person's launch, right? That's really smart. You're looking at people that are in your same space. You're seeing what they're doing. You're seeing how does the customer feel? So as people that are in a similar space, if we were confused, we're like, we can hardly imagine how the actual customer feels. And then you take those observations and you learn from them. So for us, we're like, we saw that that felt like just too much. So when we go into our launches, we want to make sure that we're really honed in on just a few very specific asks of our customers so that we don't confuse them and they can take that next step with us. Yeah. And it's so interesting during a launch because there might be a strategy that you try that doesn't get the results that you wanted. So you want to pivot and we love a good pivot, Mm -hmm. but you also need to think about before you make that pivot, is this confusing? Is this going to throw off the messaging of everything that I've built up into this point? If I throw in 10 extra workshops and this extra freebie and this other thing, like it actually is not going to get the results that you want. So it's important to also think, like you said, Amy, more is not always more. More will not always bring you more results. Yeah, I was also telling Kat, I'm like, I think that you can tell when people start to get a desperate energy is what I would call it. And I'd rather have a launch where there might be a smaller group, but you know that you can serve them so well, than have your business project like a very desperate energy. Yes, people feel that, especially in personal brands, because you are the person behind it. They can feel your energy, whether it's excitement, calm, cool, collected, or it's coming from complete scarcity. (laughs) And this brings me to my next point, which is I want to talk about emails, you know, often used in launch strategies for any online business. Email is very, very important. So when you're crafting an email, it is so smart to get clear on what is the goal as the author writing this email, like take a minute before you even start typing, like, what is it? Why am I writing to this person? What do I want them to do? 
and think about that. So different reasons, you know, why we would write emails in our business, it could be an invitation to a workshop, could be a sales email, selling them a specific product. It could be a quick reminder to show up for an event, maybe a value-based newsletter, tune into our weekly podcast email. All these have very specific reasons of why we would email someone. Now, where I see this go wrong is when people have way too many calls to action. As an easy example, say you're writing an email that is based on a podcast episode that you just released. So you sit down, your goal is to get the audience to tune into that episode because you want to increase your downloads. So the episode's link is to go and listen, and that is your call to action inside the email. So if your email also includes links to the guest websites, the links to her book and ask for ratings and review, maybe even linking the outfit that you're wearing during the interview. Now you have way too many calls to action. The customer doesn't know what action to take. And even worse, the customer's attention is now all over the place. So that person might be linking to an external website going somewhere else. And now they're down the rabbit hole of the outfits. Like now I'm down the anthropology rabbit hole when I need to be back here tuning into this episode. So you really want to start thinking of that and stay really focused when you're writing that email and think about what is the goal of this particular email. Yes, that's such a good example because... A lot of times when you are writing an email, you're a beginner, you're like, I mean, obviously I would link to the guest's email. Like you want to be so supportive of the guests, but you have to think, okay, what action do I want them to take? Maybe in an email, the goal is to really spotlight the guest and that would be perfect and link to, you know, her things, but not in every email. That's not going to be what you're going to do. The only time I see this is like, quote unquote, appropriate is if you're doing like a roundup email, like let's yeah. say it's like a Friday things I love. And it's like, that's the reader knows this is like Kat's favorite things. I'm going to send you 10 different places. And that makes sense for the reader and for your goals. Yes. I love those weekly roundup emails or when someone does their five favorite things on a Friday. Yes. Because then for me as the customer, I zone into the one thing that I'm interested in out of her five things. So I think that can be a really interesting you know, way to write emails or way to post. Now, one thing I was thinking when we were writing this episode is, okay, let's put ourselves in the shoes of a beginner. I think that at first, it can be hard to figure out what words that you're going to use. So let's rewind back to the beginning of when we were launching Purposeful Business. One of our ideas as a business is, okay, we're going to have a few different focus groups come in and we're going to interview them. So a focus group is a group that they're your ideal customer and you're asking them questions so that you can start to understand your customer better. In business, we're always going to have ideas of what we think our customer wants or needs, but we need to hear them say it. Otherwise, you might go down a road where you build a whole course that no one asked for. And then when you launch it to crickets, it's like, okay, I thought that this was great. I thought people wanted it, but I didn't have that proof. So focus groups are a great strategy. 
And I feel like that phrase makes it sound really formal, but your focus group could simply be your best friend that you know she would listen to your podcast. So you're gonna get in these conversations and see what types of words she uses. So for example, when I led my focus group, I had two women, I was asking them all these questions. Kat and Abby then listened to that interview and we all pulled the words that we felt were really powerful. What was our ideal customer saying? Because then when we are going and we are writing our messaging, we're writing our copy for the course, we know how she talks. And that is really valuable because then other people that you want inside of your course likely talk like her. And just to chime in there, it is really important to understand how they use the language and not what you think that they use. So even for example, let's say in your marketing, you had a Facebook ad or something and you're saying work in home parent or something like that. When really your ideal customer says, I'm a stay at home mom. That's how Mm -hmm. they identify. That's what they say they are. And if you're using, let's even just say it's like the more PC term or just a term that you think that they go by and they actually don't identify that, they are not going to resonate with your messaging. They're not going to click on your things because you're not speaking to them. Even though those are synonymous words that you could use, it's very important to know how do they describe themselves or their problem or what they're going through. Yeah. This so directly ties to your branding. I remember when we were starting Expecting and Empowered and I said, there's a lot of different words for the word mom. Here's the version we're going to use. And every single time you say mom, we are saying mama, M-A-M-A. And Crystal is like, why are you so crazy about this? And because (laughs) it's so important, you want to have that match up across your brand. So thinking about some of the words that you're going to say very often is really important because there's usually a lot of different forms of that word and you want your messaging and your branding to match so that you're saying the same form across all channels. Another thing that we were thinking when we started pursuing her purpose is we know that a lot of our listeners are going to be beginners or they're going to be newer in business. Like that's who we are actually targeting. So we knew as a business, when we say words, even if we've used them for five years, you know, six years, we want our listener to be able to follow along with the conversation and know exactly what we're talking about. I remember when I was brand new to business and I was listening to business podcasts, a lot of times if I didn't understand their language, I would feel down about myself or I would feel like, oh my gosh, maybe this isn't the podcast for me. It's too advanced. I don't even know what they're talking about. And here's the thing, you guys, when you're the expert, it can be very easy to overlook this because like I just said, you've been using these terms for years and years. So I'll give you some examples. In pursuing her purpose, when we say things like offers, we've confused people. When we say CTA, ICA, these things that we teach and say all the time, we make it a point that we want to define those every single time we say them in the episode. So we will say something like CTA, and then just really easily, that's your call to action. That's what you want the person to do so that people can follow along with you really easily. Because the whole point of this episode, pretty much when I'm thinking about it, is if you're confusing people, you're not helping them. 
We want to help the customer. So we have to make sure that the way that we're talking, what we're saying makes sense to them. And it's very, very clear. So Kat, to go into this a little bit further, I know that your whole podcast was named TTC Society. So how does that differ a little bit between using words like CTA, call to action, ICA, ideal customer avatar, and something that, you know, you, you named your podcast TTC Society being trying to conceive? Yeah, exactly. So what's interesting about that, and you know, we do like if I'm, you know, publicly talking about it, then I'll say trying to conceive so that they know. But when we were doing research about what title we wanted to have for our podcast, women who are in that space who have gone down the Google rabbit hole, like, why can I not get pregnant? I'm feeling like, what are my next steps? They use the acronym TTC. It's a very, very common. It was a searchable term. It was like in the top three things for fertility. We specifically did not want to use the word infertility. We wanted it to essentially be like a journey story. We wanted it to feel like a positive space. Sometimes just even identifying as the title of like infertile could be triggering for someone. And we wanted it to be very welcoming, whether you, again, were just trying to conceive naturally with time cycles, or you were down the depths of a big medical journey. We wanted it to be a space for anyone who was in that. And that was the acronym that people were searching for. So we actually did do a lot of research behind that. I wouldn't necessarily recommend using an acronym in a podcast or a blog unless it is like so identified that someone who's in that space is going to throw out that acronym frequently. And then you know that you're speaking to them. I actually think it's a perfect example of niching down. So Kat was going after women, trying to support women that are trying to conceive. The people that don't know what TTC stands for have probably never had trouble conceiving. And so to me, it's like that totally makes sense because you are going for that person that that's been a journey. And not only are you speaking directly to that person when you say TTC or whatever acronym is specific to your ideal customer avatar, but in SEO, which is search engine optimization, people are typing in TTC. They're not always typing in trying to conceive. So your podcast and all the information that you're putting into the world, your Instagram account would pop up even further because the messaging is right on. So this brings us to the next area that we wanted to touch on today, which is really the overuse of filler words. I have been working on this, you guys, for years. It's one thing that Amy has been helping me with. She has been my mentor and just removing all the different words that we just don't need to use to make a direct point. I know Kat's working on it. Amy still works on it. As writers, we are always going to be working on something and making sure that our words each have impact it's important. It's important in the writing that we do as business owners and making sure that we get our messaging right and that it has power behind it. So one thing that I do that I think would be really helpful for you is when I write a caption, I write the caption, I give it some space, and then I go back through it. I read the entire thing again and I take out any of the words that I don't need. I'll see the words like very or so. I'll use the word truly several times. Even sometimes I'll see the same word used over and over again. And just the repetition takes away the power in a caption. There are even times where I take out complete sentences because it's just not needed. Maybe I have already had that part in a previous section or it just doesn't give the impact and the power behind the statement that I want to give. So when you're able to go through it and give it some space, you can just get that second set of eyes on it. It's not that the first one was wrong or that it was bad. It's just that you can make it that much better by taking out little bits and pieces so that every word has power. 
So I challenge you to do this as well. As a writer, can you make even more power behind the words that you use? Could you reread that email once? I mean, not to the point where you're rereading something 20 times and never send it, but can you read it once or twice just to make it have that much more impact? And if you've listened to episode 35, our guest on that episode goes into so much detail on copywriting, and she has even more tips when it comes to writing and having power behind your words. And I love talking about this topic because your messaging, it's not only your writing, writing is super important, but it's even as like as simple as Instagram stories. When we started pursuing her purpose, Amy coached me because I hadn't <laughs> been on Instagram very frequently. She coached me like how to be so concise and clear, like never go over three frames for your face to camera. If you went over that, you need to record it, maybe get it down to two. She was very adamant on that. And I have practiced to be more concise in my messaging because it's a casual platform. I'm hopping on Instagram stories. It needs to be clear and concise to hold their attention, whether it's a beautiful email or just a quick Instagram story. I was laughing when Abby was talking because just earlier in this episode, I said, very, very, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's, you're a constant work in progress. And when we teach our podcast students and purposeful podcast, we say, you have to listen to yourself. So we're talking about messaging here. Messaging is podcast episodes. So you better believe that the three of us go back and we listen to this episode. We self critique, of course, but then we also feel comfortable to say to each other, Okay, Kat, you're starting with a lot of so's. You know, if it's not on your radar, you can't improve. These things we always say do not get hypercritical on yourself. But what is the one or two words that you seem to really focus on so that your messaging just lands better? You're more concise. This is all a practice. You do not get better at messaging overnight. But putting these things on your radar can certainly help you to move in the right direction. I wanted to expand on one thing Abby said when she's rereading her captions. What I've noticed about my writing is sometimes the problem is I'm trying to fit everything into one caption. And so I took the reader somewhere and then I took her somewhere else and then I'm trying to land the plane, but it's been two different stops. There's a layover in Dallas. Like it's just, it's <laughs> too much because I've also been doing this for a long time. Right? So I've realized when I do that in a caption, guess what captions don't get commented back to? There are those ones where the reader's kind of confused. Wait, does she want me to talk about the part that's you know, in that first paragraph or the part that's in the third paragraph. And so I've really honed in on same thing Kat was saying about emails. What is my point with this message? And does this paragraph fit with this one? Or do I just need to make that as a whole separate caption so that that can have its moment and this can have its moment? If you have too many points in one thing, it's like your readers don't know really which one you want them to focus on and which one they can respond to. Have you found Amy as someone who's very active on Instagram and is like, you know, quote unquote influencer that now that's actually helpful for you to have that lens? Cause then you can create more content. If you're trying to jam in a whole story into one caption, if you're like, Ooh, I'm actually trying to land three planes. Now I actually have three beautiful posts. Does that help you in that process? You know, it's interesting you asked that because I just did a post on my personal Instagram because I love to do carousel posts that have writing in them. 
these two yeah. know I'm like in love with writing. I want to write a book someday. I think it's really smart for me to practice writing more. So these are the posts that I often do. I made a post and it was called my goals as a mom. And it had these five different goals. And then our VA, Sarah, who's probably listening right now said, why don't you now take each one of those and actually talk about how you're going to do that goal? And I was like, that made so much sense, but I don't think I would have thought of that. And so sometimes when you're a content creator, having that set of outside eyes, or even for yourself, if you're like this piece of content, that one really did well for me. It got shared a lot. I had a lot of comments, saves, sends. You can tell this baby resonated. So look at that post and say, what could I focus in on? What could I expand on? Where do I have more to give? That is such a great way to look at content because your followers are telling you what they like. They're literally showing you with not only their hearts and their comments, but when they share it, when they save it, when they send it, use that and say, wait, where could I dive even a little bit deeper? So I'm still working on that because a set of outside eyes had to come in and tell me, but I think that that was such a great point for everyone because sometimes we're always trying to do so many different things as content creators that we're missing these really big opportunities that are right in front of us. And you can see that we really challenge ourselves. Amy has been on Instagram, I don't know, five or six years, very active, and she's still challenging herself. And that's why we're here today to also challenge you. So we want you to start looking at your messaging that you're writing, that you're putting out on Instagram, that you're doing on stories, even when you're talking about your business with a critical eye given all of these tips that we've shared. So where are areas that you need to improve your messaging in? So that's our challenge for you today. Give your posts a second look over and see what words you can take out, the fillers, the sentences that don't make sense, the things that you can maybe create into an entire new caption completely. Where can you expand upon those, maybe in your stories or in an email to your community? And we would love to see some tags. So as you go through this, as you create content, let us know what's resonating with you. What are the things that's working for you, working for your community to draw them even closer to you with every message that you send to the world. 